Hi, this is Pastor Josh, and welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is a place where people can connect with Jesus and with each other. And if you're looking to get connected, you can find more information at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from a guest speaker. Uh, excited to be here today at Harbor Church. I absolutely love what God is doing there on the Cape through you all. Uh, loved my time that I got to spend out there in October with y'all, and it's uh, super fun to be able to even virtually be able to have church. I've been following you guys, uh, seeing the parade that you did uh, to minister and encourage uh, those in your community. Been following you on the 828 uh, stuff that's happening. Uh, just really praying and uh, just excited about what God is doing uh, through you guys. Um, also what God is doing here in Idaho. And um, you know, Josh always talks about, uh, he talks specifically about the Cape and how it's it's shaped like this and he always like tries to get that bicep to pop i think he does like a few push-ups before he does it and he's like okay so like right here past this massive like geographic region of land and by the way at the time that he's usually saying this he's in an undersized uh, t-shirt um you know and now he has an anchor that has been sponsored by rock harbor church uh, for him uh, then he's like and then you get here to hyenas and and he begins to share, I wanna share a little bit, since he said that about 150 times uh, to me, I wanna share a little bit about Idaho. And well, when I say Idaho, I mean Idaho. Not Ohio, not Iowa, um, but Boise, which it's Boise, not Boise, um, is about right here in Idaho. And uh, this is where I am from. My name is Keith Harrington, and I am from Rock Harbor Church. We are right here in Meridian, Idaho, which is a suburb of Boise. Idaho. Josh has been out with us. He spoke at camps. He spoke at Rock Harbor. Great relationship. Been there since day one of Harbor Church launching. Um, he was one of my brother's best friends in college. Uh, that's a whole nother story or stories for a completely different day. But this is Idaho. Idaho is actually known for its potatoes. Uh, Idaho is known for having more guns than it actually does people. Idaho is known for having lumberjacks, okay? So lots of trees and stuff like that. Idaho doesn't have a lot of musicians. Uh, we actually do have some decent uh, golf resorts. Um, but I'm, I'm sharing this with you so you can get a little idea about who we are as a church, what we're about. We don't have harbors in Idaho, not really. We have a couple, but we don't have a lot of harbors and the harbors we have are on lakes. They're not on oceans uh, like yours. And so um, we've got the similar uh, vision though, even though we don't have uh, the harbors like you guys, we have a similar vision when it comes to uh, life, when it comes to ministry, when it comes to God, when it comes to how are we uh, serving right now in our communities? What does that look like? What are our churches uh, do? And um, uh, what ways do we, uh, do we minister? Will we testify and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ? So that's why we love Harbor Church. Uh, when I got to be there in October, the chance to hang with your staff, get to be in services, uh, see the facility. By the way, we still don't have a facility, but you guys do. Congratulations. Just want to say that's exciting. Now you can't meet in it right now. So what's up with that? How's that feel? Um, but we are, uh, we're, we're similar in our vision, our philosophy, and getting to spend time with you guys in the type of a community church. I, I love your pastor. I, I actually love his family more than uh, him, um, but love uh, Kaylee and the kids and just are thankful to be able to partner in ministry with you guys and even be with you in this time. Uh, it's an interesting time. And I know this series that we're right in the middle of, uh, how to be brave and what does bravery look like and who are individuals in scripture 
that showed bravery and uh, how can we become brave in our own life, in our own heart, and at this time in our world. And so I'm going to be talking about David and Goliath. And, and many of you maybe have heard, whether you know uh, much about the Bible or you've read much of the Bible, maybe you've heard that people refer to people as, uh, as you're a Goliath or it's a David and Goliath type of story. I mean, you watch March Madness and it's like, oh, it's a David-Goliath matchup. And it's where that underdog is going against a giant. And so that's the, the case. David was a young man and small in stature, but Goliath was a giant. And, and when Josh said, hey, Keith, would you speak on David and Goliath? I'm like, sure, that's great. And he goes, I'm sure you've spoken on it before, but I'm going to ask you to do something when you communicate. Would you kind of like tell it as if like I'm David and I'm humble and I'm a servant and I'm obedient to God and I've killed bears and lions and then I conquer a giant and I'm like it just got kind of weird and I was like dude I can't do that I don't think I can take that much liberty in scripture so I'm not going to be able to do that right now um, but I do want to talk out of 1 Samuel 17 that talks about this young David and his battle that he had with Goliath and uh, in 1 Samuel 17, 4, and we'll have verses on the, on the screen for you, uh, but if you have your Bibles, I do encourage you to uh, turn there. It's actually an incredible journey that David goes on before this and then following this because ultimately he does become king, okay? So it's a really powerful, uh, and this is an interesting part of this. So there's a battle that's going on between uh, Israel, which is where David lives and resides and his family is, um, and then uh, the, the Philistines. And so there's this battle that's going on. They're, 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 fight, they're fighting each other and they're in this valley. And so in order to really battle each other, you would have to take this uphill battle. And you know that that's a position of victory when you're fighting down in a battle. And so the odds are against them, but there's this champion warfare that is taking place, which what that means is one individual from each side would do battle. So when the one individual wins, they don't just win for themselves, they're winning for their entire country. And so that's the type of battle that's being called upon. And in fact, the pagan gods, uh, the people who worship pagan gods in that, gods in that day, they believed that it was actually a, a, the gods were battling when these two individuals were battling. And so it's kind of weird, kind of strange, but that's what they believed. And this one-on-one -on -one combat that was taking place, it represented this nation and this nation. So the nation of Israel and then the Philistines as well. So we'll pick this up. The Philistines knew that Goliath was going to be a champion. Let's get into the details of whom this Goliath is and who David is. First Samuel 17, 4, it says, And there came out of, from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six, six cubits and, and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail. Uh, he's not like a postman or anything, but like mail is, is metal. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs. He had a javelin of bronze that was slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and the spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. All that to say is Goliath's a big dude, okay? Six cubits tall is actually nine feet tall. Dude was a giant. I've got the privilege to coach for about 10 years of my life, coaching my kids and actually before that, coaching other people's kids, probably 15 years of my life I spent coaching. I tell you this, I'm not that great of a coach, but I could coach Goliath. I could run plays for Goliath. It'd be like, hey, basketball, hey, 
lob it into Goliath. We got this one. Hey, football, hey, fade to the corner to Goliath. I could put together a play. I could be victorious with a dude like Goliath. In fact, maybe you have uh, some WWF history, or maybe you like to watch wrestling, which, by the way, is real. Um, in fact, your, your pastor actually owns a suit for wrestling, and I won't go into details about that. Um, but Andre the Giant was a popular wrestler, and the dude was a giant. In fact, he was seven foot four. Seven foot four, you may know him better from The Princess Bride, um, but Andre the Giant was just a big dude. There was a large man that was eight feet tall and 11 inches in our damn time. Got a picture of that guy as well. Tall people. See, what took place with Goliath and also what took place like with Andre the Giant, they suffered from a, um, a tumor on their pituitary gland. Also having like an extra growth hormone. It's called, I want to get this right, acromegaly. Okay, I'm a pastor. I'm not a doctor. Um, and I barely know the English language, okay? Um, we got a lot of slang, uh, but it's acromegaly. This, this tumor, it created like large, gigantic individuals. And so that's what Goliath had. See, the average Israeli warrior was 5'6". So like little guy, big man. Goliath had 200 pounds of armor on him. That just shows you how big that he was. And the Philistines viewed him as a gift. This is a gift from the gods that they were given. This coat of mail, the sheet of metal that he wore upon himself, was 121 pounds. His spearhead was 14 pounds. I mean, lots of weight. And in fact, these Philistines, they had discovered ironwork, so this gave them the advantage. So when they're calling this hand-to-hand, -hand, this combat that's going to take place, it's one person from here and here, they knew they had this secret weapon that they believed was given to them by the gods. Kicking back to verse number seven, it says, and his shield bearer went before him. So just to give the, the enemy, the Philistines, they were wise, okay, just to give them a little bit of perspective, they would send out this armor bearer, the shield bearer, and say, look at this little guy. And then it was like Goliath behind them. And so it really gave that contrast of how big he actually was. Verse 8, and he stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not a servant of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. If I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and you're going to serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. So when Saul, who was the king of Israel, when Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine that day, they were dismayed and they were greatly afraid. See, this taunting took place for 40 days. This wasn't just like one little smack talk. It was like day after day after day, they came out and they challenged him. Actually, King Saul, it was known and it was historically recorded that he stood head and shoulders taller than the rest. So he was actually a big man. They were really wanting Saul to come out. Like they wanted to see Goliath go against Saul because what would it say to destroy their king? Not just any person, not just a larger man, not just a, a powerful warrior, but to destroy the king of Israel. How cool would that be? Well, here's where David enters in 
to this story. See, David would be known as someone who was forgettable. Uh, he, he wasn't actually old enough to be in the army yet. Uh, he actually just simply would deliver food uh, to his brothers. His brothers were in the army. They were serving, but not David. David wasn't old enough to do that. And when you would see David, you would know there was nothing that was really that noticeable about him. He was just a typical young boy. But God saw something different. God doesn't look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. And God saw this heart of David and he knew that there was something that was special. So when David showed up to bring food to his brothers, like he's like this delivery boy, he's bringing Capri Suns, he's bringing like Lunchables to his brothers so that they could like eat, they could be ready for that battle, they could, as they sat in this, this valley of Elon, like they're ready to do battle. Lunchables, Capri Suns, and you got to admit, like, that's like great. Like, Capri Suns are incredible. I like them. I mean, they're not just for kids. They're for all of us, and some of us probably like it more than others. In fact, I want to give you a little bit of a, a challenge. Just right now, as you're watching this online, the first person that can comment an, a specific emoji that I will tell you in just a moment, okay, then Josh is going to deliver a 10-pack of Capri Suns to your house this week, okay? Okay? Okay, any fruit emoji, go right now. Any fruit emoji, get it out there. Get it out there, get going. All right, well, that's awesome. Hey, I like Lunchables as well. Let's just not just like pick the Capri Suns. I like Lunchables as well, especially the pizza ones. You, gotta, you can't deny that. Those suckers are pretty dang good. First person that can put a pizza emoji out there, get you some Lunchables, Josh will deliver it. In fact, if you wanna just put some other emojis out there of something that you would like, maybe like a little quarantine wish list, we'll see what the Harbor staff might show up at your house during this time, contact free, drop it on your porch, knock and then run. Uh, no, they, they may fulfill those wishes. I don't know, I'm halfway, I'm all the way across the United States and now I'm giving the Harbor staff something to do this week. I hope you guys have fun with that. Hey, back to, the Bible. Okay, back to the Bible. Verse number 26, David actually asks a really great question. Here's the thing. If I'm going to go up against the giant, what are the rewards going to be? Because there was rumors swirling around. Well, it was that whoever would go up against that giant and be victorious over Goliath, they would get to marry one of the king's daughters. Hey, how about that? A royal hate, you know, with a V8 hate, you know, you're like going all of a sudden like, hey, you know, and especially for David. I mean, think, you know, if he's a shepherd boy, he didn't smell great. The likelihood of him getting a date was pretty low. So have this insurance policy like, dude, if I win, I will not only get a date, I will get to marry a royal hottie. I really like this idea. And on top of that, they would get great riches. They would also never have to pay taxes again. And that in and of itself is an incredible deal and worthy of risking your life for. He actually asked this question three times, what do you get? Because he wants to know if he's going to head into this. And, and offering David money and then a relationship with a lady, you got to know like David, although he was a humble man, he was a man after God's own heart, he had some flaws, okay? He struggled with money and then he had a situation with a lady that was not so good okay you know what you know what they say you know mo money mo problems you know mo ladies mo problems so you got to be careful david you need to slow it down just a little bit but he's looking at this going hey this is an opportunity for me to find someone i mean a similar situation took place in my life my wife now she was dating one of my friends when we were in college they broke up 
like she was on the rebound and I was there to pick her up, sunk my claws in, heavenly hot day, and everything's been good since then. I actually feel bad for her. David was looking for his opportunity to sink his claws into a future that this opportunity was going to provide him. David's approach was, uh, I'm making jokes about this, but David's approach was actually out of obedience. He wanted to do what God would desire for him to do. So listen to this. In verse 32, it says, And David said to Saul, Let no man, man's heart fail because of him, for your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you're but a youth. He has been a man of war from his youth. David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. He's like, I'm a shepherd, bro. Back up off me. But then he tells me, he tells, he tells this, this, his king why this is important. He says that when there was a lion that would come or a bear would take a lamb from the flock, I would go after them, I would strike them and deliver it out of his mouth. Huh. So he is saying, I'm not afraid of combat. I'm not afraid of battle. I faced some of the scariest things. And if he arose against me and I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him to grab a lion by the beard, how awesome is that? See, David shares this story, but he's actually revealing more about his character. See, David is a shepherd and now God is preparing him for this moment. See, we often just think about winning the battle, but there's the battle before the battle. Like character is formed before the battle. And here's what we need to know. That sometimes it may be, I mean, can you imagine all the times with David, how bored he was, how like insignificant he felt as the youngest of eight sons and going, okay, by the time I want to get married, dad ain't going to have no money. I'm not going to be able to pay a dowry. I'm not going to be able to like have much. I'm not even in the military. I'm bringing snacks to him. But no, but to know that God was preparing him in those days, his character was being formed in those days. And you may feel the same way, like, hey, when will God use me in a radical way? Or, hey, it just seems like uninteresting what I'm dealing with or what I'm going through. I want you to know, like, in the meantime, prepares you for an unseen time. In the meantime, prepares you for an unseen time. So David's heart wasn't about winning this battle against the giant. David's heart was about being faithful, even in the times of being in a pasture that God was preparing him someday for a palace. Verse 36, and your servant has struck down both lions and bears and this uncircumcised Philistine. He's saying, I fought a lion, I fought a bear. I'm ready to go against this uncircumcised Philistine. I don't have time to explain the symbolism behind circumcision. I just think next week that would be a great message topic for Josh. I think he would do an incredible job at that, really just getting into all of the details about circumcision. Anyways, let's continue on. That this battle will be like one of them. For he, this man, has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. See, David saw Goliath's problem, this problem of Goliath, different than what the other soldiers saw. See, they saw... The same thing every day, 40 days of getting, you know, 
said like you were going to conquer you. No one's brave enough. They saw the same man. The same fear overcame them. The same challenge was there every day. The same response. These exact same threats. You know what David saw? David saw the same faithful God. They, they saw the, the same battle every day. They saw the same like fear came over them every day. And he saw the same ever faithful, never changing God. See, you've got a nine foot tall robo cop, all decked out in metal, big spear. And you've got a five foot tall, never worked out a day in his life. Is there any way he could ever win? Is there any way that he could ever battle him? Is there any way he could ever compete? Most people would say no. But see, this is where the battle shifts from physical to spiritual. It shifts to spiritual because you have to listen to the words that are given by the Philistine. Listen to the way that David is approaching it. He's not just thinking tactically. He's thinking on the level of, man, I get a chance to battle for the one true God for an entire nation against an entire nation. See, God was preparing him for this. He may say, you know, he might look and say, hey, you know what? Your man, he might be bigger, but my God's undefeated. I'm ready to do battle because David grew up in a home. He grew up in a place that worshiped the one true God. And he was a faith-filled man. Verse 38, Saul then clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head. He clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor. And he tried in vain to go, but he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I've not tested them. So David put them off. <laughs> I think that's a big part of this message just right now. He was saying, Saul was saying, hey, wear my armor. You know what? When we go to battle, often we listen to what other people say and how we should approach things. And we become carbon copies of other people. But here's the reality. Here's the hope that we have. We don't have to be. We've been created uniquely. We've been created as individuals. See, David knew what kind of warrior that he actually was. See, there were three different parts to the, uh, the, the infantry, uh, three different parts to, excuse me, the military. You had the cavalry, you had the infantry, and then you had the slingers. The slingers were people who would, they were kind of a, a part of, of that inter, uh, the archers and all of them, and they would use different types of weapons for that. And a slinger, they would use a slingshot. A slinger could toss a rock 80 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour. They also could, upon impact, it could have a similar impact of that of a 45 caliber bullet, 45 caliber gun. Yeah, I mean, just slinging that. How powerful is that? He knew who God had made him, and he knew the weapons that he was comfortable with. And he wasn't comfortable wearing someone else's armor or battling the way someone else. He wasn't going to battle just the way that that Philistine wanted him to battle. This is where it recognized it becomes more spiritual. So David took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the brook and he put them into a shepherd's pouch. And the sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. The, the, the stones that he got from this brook, they say that they were twice as dense as your typical stone. Very smooth, no edges. You could aim them perfectly. Verse 41, and the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. 
And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. And he said, he's but a youth, he's ruddy, um, but he's handsome in, in appearance. And the Philistine, he's a pretty boy, you know. The Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Look at this guy. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistines also said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And this next part, in the best brave heart accent that I could possibly muster up, it says, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear. I'm going to stop there because that was quite possibly the worst accent ever. And I know Josh could completely destroy this. And so I don't want to step to his level with the spear. And, and he'd also have, you know, the, the um, kilt. Is that what the thing's called? It's like me and a camera dude here, but yeah, kilt, I think. Yeah, is that what it's called? You know, where you show your thighs. Josh has really nice thighs. Um, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. David just brings it. This day the Lord will deliver you, deliver you into my hand. I'm going to strike you down. I'm going to cut off your head. I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines to this day, to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of this earth. All the earth would know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly, everybody in that valley of Elah, may know that the Lord saves not with a sword and a spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. Those are some of the, those are the best words that we will read today. That the battle is the Lord's and he will give us that battle into our hands. My question is, is can you hear that in your heart? Can you hear it in your heart that the battle can and will be won by the Lord of hosts? Verse 48, And when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. He was ready. He's like, let's go. And David put his hand in his bag, and he took out a stone, and he slung it, and he struck the Philistine on his forehead. And listen to this. The stone, the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. So David then ran and stood over the Philistine. He took the Philistine sword. He drew it out of its sheath and he killed him and he cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout. And guess what sword David used for the rest of his life? The sword from that battle, that sword of Goliath. And it served as a reminder of the faithfulness of God, despite, in spite of all of the potential circumstances that could have happened. He saw God's faithfulness, and David won the battle. You know what bravery is? Bravery is battling for someone other than yourself. Battling alongside someone bigger than yourself. Not the approval of man, but 
the approval of God. The obedience of God. And that's what David did. He truly did battle. And you may hear all this and you're going, I'm no David. I'm just a teacher. I'm just a barber. I'm just a barista. I'm just an accountant. I'm just a Patriots fan. (laughs) You know what? Regardless of what you may feel you are just, you are God's treasured masterpiece. You're his workmanship. And you may say, but Keith, you're in Idaho. You don't actually know what I've done. There are a lot of people like around here that know what I have done. And I can rest in the fact that God's rescued me from some of my past, but it still lives and I just wonder, could I be victorious? Yeah, I'm obedient now. I'm following God now, but my failures have been defining me. And maybe I need to do a few more things to earn like God's love, God's favor, a blessing by God, to really do battle for God. When I was with you guys in October, I shared one thing with you. I remember it very clearly. I told you that God is not in love with some future version of you. He loves you as you are. He forgives you when you call out on his name. He rescues you from whatever pit or whatever meantime or too normal or blah or basic life or gifting or calling or family or income or lack thereof that you may have. See, in the meantime, God is preparing you for an unseen time. And you may not be a David, but I will tell you, you can be a man, you can be a woman, you can be a student, you can be a kid, you can be a grandparent, And you can be a barber, and you can be a teacher, and you can be an accountant, and you can even be a Patriots fan after God's own heart. And that's what David did. He recognized, hey, I am just a shepherd boy. But you know what? His character was formed in a pasture. See, God prepared him for a palace in a pasture. And God prepared him for this battle with this giant, with a battle with a lion to save the life of a sheep, with the battle with a bear to save the life of a sheep. And he showed his kingery or kingmanship, whatever you would call it. He built a kingly resume in being faithful in what others might consider just normal, smelly, basic life and living. And there are two different types of bravery that were shown in that valley that day. There was Goliath's, right? Which was based in arrogance. Goliath was all talk. Goliath's bravery was based in self-confidence, what he could do. And then there was David's. And David's bravery was based in God confidence. God confidence. Someone who has always and always will back up what they say. For God is a promise keeper. And God delivered this entire nation from another nation. 
through the faithfulness and the obedience of one person. God did this work. David was just simply obedient. David was an ordinary hero. He was an ordinary person, right, doing an extraordinary thing. And that's what faith is. It requires a humble confidence, a willingness to do whatever it takes, even if it's delivering Capri Suns and Lunchables for his brothers. He was a simple shepherd. See, we look on the outside, but God looks in the heart. God looks on the heart. So what if we allowed our character to overshadow our capability? Letting our, our, see, David had some capabilities. I mean, the dude could sling it, man. I mean, 80 miles an hour sunk into the forehead of a giant. What if you let your character overshadow your capability? I've met many of you. What an incredible work that God is doing at Harbor Church. You know why? Because there's incredible people. People from all different walks of life. And some of you, you're really good at your job and you're really talented and, and you're really a lot of different things. But what about your character? Let our character overshadow our capability. Because you know why? God is looking and God is watching. And in 2 Chronicles 16:9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. For you have done foolishly in this. From now on, you will have wars. So if we choose Goliath's path, we have our, our personal confidence, guess what? We're going to have wars. And we're going to be battling our whole life and be on the losing end of that. But guess what? If we have God confidence and we battle bravely like David did, says the eyes of the Lord look to and fro, seeming, looking for a humble heart, looking for a willing heart, a heart that's blameless. How's your character? How's your heart? And would you be brave enough to take some time and do a personal evaluation of your God confidence? You want to be brave? Be brave Ask those around you that you love and say, hey, am I humble? You want to be brave? I mean, that would be a brave step to ask. <laughs> you want to be brave? Do what a lot of other people aren't doing. Be illogically living. Like David was an illogical choice to battle. Do what a lot of other people aren't doing. Asking God for direction. Living their life for the Lord. That's bravery. Because you know what every, everybody else is doing? They're a carbon copy of what everybody else is doing. And you've been made unique. So let that character that Christ builds in you overshadow any capability that God has actually given you. How's your heart? Be brave and take some time to evaluate it. God, we praise you for the opportunity to gather today. Thank you so much for your work in Harbor Church. Thank you so much for Pastor Josh, his family, the people around that, that, that make Harbor. Thank you for the community that we have in, in the Cape, the people that we love, the healing that's taken place, 
the way that we're able to reach out right now in our community. God, you have provided for this church. You've provided for the individuals. And actually, God, you've ordained that whomever may have clicked on this link today to watch, that they needed to hear this encouragement from your word that you work in the meantime for an unseen time. You work in our character more than our capabilities. So God, I pray that we would step out in bravery to follow you, to be a light for you, to be hope for you, not for our own good. I pray encouragement in this time that we're in. You're faithful, you are good. Let us be obedient and let's be your light. Thank you so much for the love that you have for us, for the gift of your only son and the life we can have in you. It's in your name we pray, amen. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor Church as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and the world around us, you can visit harborchurch.com backslash give, or you can text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.